appreciate the invitation to come over this evening and look forward to, to sharing with you. The topic I was given for this evening was the subject of fasting. And fasting is a discipline that we all know about. And we all have done it in our lifetime at some point, I'm sure. But it's not something that we do often enough. And I speak for myself when I say that. But this is a common discipline that we see throughout Scripture. And it is something that holds tremendous meaning and value if we choose to practice it. So what is fasting? The dictionary would define fasting as this, to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. So basically fasting means to deprive ourselves of material things, and that is usually food, um, for a greater purpose. And although we usually think of fasting in, a, in the context of the Christian faith, um, fasting is not necessarily, a, uh, necessarily just a Christian uh, practice. There have been many religions and cultures down through history that have practiced fasting. Even today, there are many other religions that practice fasting for various reasons. And fasting is a health discipline, especially in the West. People will practice fasting just for health reasons. But for the Christian, fasting has a much deeper meaning and fasting is a time when we purposely deprive ourselves of material things in our lives, and it is for the purpose of solely focusing on God. It is a time when we set aside the physical to gain something from the spiritual. It is depriving ourselves of physical nourishment in order to receive spiritual nourishment. I want to look at three different areas this evening. First of all, we will look at examples and scripture of fasting, and that is something that is very prominent throughout scripture, and we will definitely not be looking at all the scriptures that, that speak to that, um, but we will look at some. Then I want to look at areas, in, or yeah, areas that we can fast, and then ways that we can fast. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. 
Here in Exodus, we have a very early example of fasting. And the setting of this chapter here is Moses on Mount Sinai, and he is receiving instruction from God. And I want to read two verses here, verses 27 and 28. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, and he neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So here we see Moses up on the mount having this encounter with God. And it says that he was there for 40 days and 40 nights and neither ate bread nor drank water. And this mention of fasting here gives us several important insights into this discipline. And the first thing that we notice is that fasting is associated with spiritual significance. Moses was the leader of God's chosen people, and as such, it was his, his responsibility to relay the things that God was giving him to the people. And the weight of this responsibility was so great that Moses did not eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. And the second thing that I want to notice that is of spiritual significance here is that Moses, during his time here, is interceding for the children of Israel. Because God's wrath was kindled against Israel for worshiping the golden calf. And Moses pleads with God to spare them. In Deuteronomy 9, it further expounds on this. And it says, or Moses is recounting his time on the mountain. It says, I fell down before the Lord at, as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. And I either ate, neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. So Moses came before God with prayer and fasting on behalf of the people. And we see the result of Moses coming in contact with God or being in the presence of God. It was the glory was so great that there was not even a need for food or water at that time because he was in the presence of God. And he was 100 percent focused on what God was giving to him. And if we move forward into Leviticus. In chapter 16, there is instruction given for observing the Day of Atonement. And in verse 29, it says, This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls, 
and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. And the phrase that we want to pick out here is the phrase, you shall afflict your souls. This phrase literally means you are to deny yourself. So according to Jewish tradition, God is commanding his people to fast on this day. And that is a practice that is still continued among Orthodox Jews even today. And as we move through the Old Testament, we find many instances of people fasting. And we'll look at a couple more of these in a bit. But there is a commonality that I want to notice here in these instances that we're talking about. Fasting always happens as a direct result of a need for God. Whether that is repenting for sins committed or asking God to intercede on someone's behalf. And God does condemn Israel for false fasting in Isaiah 58. And we'll look, we'll look more at that in here in a little bit. But usually it is in the context of a person or a people coming, for, coming before God with a need or in repentance. We just read the example of Moses interceding for the people through fasting. And in Nehemiah 1, when Nehemiah hears of the destruction of Jerusalem, verse 4 says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. In the book of Esther, Haman is conspiring against the Jews to destroy them. And how did their people respond? says, and in every province, when the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So these are just a few examples throughout the Old Testament. But we see the correlation between a complete and total need for God's intervention and the act of sacrificial humility through fasting. And the significance here is that is a desire and a need for God's intervention that is so strong that we are willing to deprive ourselves of sustenance for a period of time. It was an act of self-denial. And in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, fasting was often accompanied by sitting in sackcloth and ashes, an act of complete humility and remorse and repentance. As we move into the New Testament, we once again find numerous references to fasting. And in the time of Jesus, Jesus, 
fasting had apparently become more of a ritualistic tradition. It was more of a status symbol, particularly among Jewish leaders. And we know that the Pharisees fasted, but it was often for the wrong reasons. In Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus denounces these hypocritical acts. And he says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. We also have the story of the Pharisee in Luke 18, on the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. But the Pharisee, it says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. And then he says, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. So we can see the act of fasting was there, but it was not being done for the right purpose. And we'll talk more about this in a little bit. So like many other Jewish traditions at this time, fasting had become merely an empty act. But Jesus himself still recognized the importance of fasting. He himself fasted for 40 days in the wilderness during his time of temptation. And in Matthew 6, verses 17 and 18, Jesus reiterates to his disciples and followers the proper way to fast. And he tells them, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So Jesus still recognized the value of fasting. In Matthew 6, 18, he says so that, or continuing on there in Matthew 6, in verse 18, it says, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus also taught that there was spiritual power in fasting. In Matthew 17, when the disciples asked Jesus why they were not able to cast out demons, and Jesus says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there is spiritual power in fasting. As we move into the, move into the church age, we have record of early believers in the church praying and fasting. In Acts 10, we have the account of Cornelius. In, it, in verses 30 and 31, it says, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. In Acts 14, we see a newly formed church commending the appointed elders to God through prayer and fasting. 
And verse 23 says, So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And there are many other examples of fasting throughout Scripture. But we can see from the things that we have read here that fasting is not this obscure idea, but rather it is it has heavy scriptural basis to be practiced. And I believe that it is a godly discipline that all believers should make a part of their life. And I believe that we are missing out on a tremendous blessing if we do not fast. We have all these examples of people seeking God's face through prayer and fasting and the way God worked in their lives and God, the way God responds to that. Why are we so reluctant to do this? Fasting is not something that should be taken lightly. It is a serious commitment between us and God, and it must be done for the right reasons. Turn over with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Here in verse 3, we have the people asking God a question. And it says, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you have taken, and you take no notice? They're saying, we're fasting, we're praying, we're doing all these things that we're supposed to do. We're afflicting ourselves, but you do not hear us and you do not take notice of us. But God says this in verse 5. He says, is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? So God is not condemning these things, but he's saying that these, these are just acts. These are just pretenses of humility and repentance. And they mean nothing if it's not coming from the heart. And then in verse 6, he goes on to say, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked, that you cover him, and, hide, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? So we can, we can see here that the children of Israel are not, do not have their heart in the right place. First of all, they are idolatrous at this time. They are in a, in a bad spot spiritually, and they're fighting among themselves. They were mistreating their employees. They were ignoring the, the needy in their midst, They're the hungry and the homeless, and even ostracizing their own family. 
And in Isaiah 29, God says, these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it was a false righteousness. But there is a very important point here for us when we think about fasting. We can fast and pray. We can come before God in humility. But if our lives and the condition of our heart is not God-honoring, God will not honor that fast or that prayer. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. There must be a desire for God. A desire to please God. A repentant heart. And God then says in verse 8 here in Isaiah 58, says, Then your light shall break forth like the morning. So he's saying, if you do these things, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. So if our hearts are in the right place and we are coming before God in repentance and humility, then God will hear and he will honor. And the point that I want to bring out here is the seriousness of fasting. It is offensive to God to approach him expecting spiritual nourishment if we are not willing to live our lives for him. And fasting is As we saw here throughout scripture, fasting is associated with a repentant spirit. And when we come before God in fasting, we must have a repentant heart. Now I want to look at some areas in which we can practice fasting. And you do not have to necessarily have a reason for fasting except for the sole purpose of drawing closer to God. But there are some times that are very important um, when we think about fasting. The first one being fast before making important decisions or before important events. And we read the verses in in Acts earlier um, of the Christians praying and fasting for the the ones that uh, that were newly ordained. And we have the account where um, Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed in the process of selecting elders for the church. So we often pray before making large decisions today in the church. um, But we also need to add fasting to that. And not just in the church, in our lives in general, before we make uh, big decisions, um, important decisions, take time 
to fast and pray and seek God's direction? Are we willing to sacrifice our comfort and our wants and our needs to seek God's wisdom? We can also fast on behalf of others. We read earlier about, the, about Moses interceding for Israel through prayer and fasting. And we read about Nehemiah interceding for Israel through prayer and fasting. In the verses we just read here in Acts 13, the church interceding for those who were chosen through prayer and fasting. Do you have someone in your life that is in need, that is sick, or maybe someone that is unsaved, somebody that is going through a rough time in their life? Come before God with prayer and fasting. Spend some time depriving yourselves of material things for the benefit of others and seek God's face on their behalf. A third way then that we can fast, or an important time to fast, is a fast of repentance. And as we just read here, fasting throughout scripture is often associated with repentance. And I think there, that is important for us also. Sometimes Christians can have a tendency to take the act of repentance too lightly. And I think that can result in a continued struggle with that sin. Are we willing to humble ourselves before God, completely humble ourselves before God, and through prayer and fasting, ask him to give us the victory over whatever it is that we are struggling with? True repentance means dying to self, and that is strongly exemplified in fasting. When Jonah declared judgment on Nineveh, the people of Nineveh responded in this way. In Jonah 3, verse 5, it says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. A humble act of repentance. So I challenge you this evening, if you are struggling with something in your life, a sin that you cannot just, just cannot seem to get the victory over, spend time in prayer and fasting. Come before God in complete humility and repentance. And God will work in your life and he will give you the victory. <clears throat> There are many other ways to fast. These are just some, just some examples. But I encourage you to, to exercise this discipline in your life. So how do we fast? 
Well, first of all, remember the words that Jesus gave in Matthew 6, where it says to anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be fasting. In other words, fasting is a private time between you and God. It is not something that is to be made a public spectacle. It is not something to be flaunted or bragged about or something that is used to gain respect or admiration from your fellow men. It is a time between you and God. And while typical biblical fasting means to abstain from food for for a period of time, there are other ways that we can fast. If we remember that fasting is to deprive ourselves of material things. So to deny ourselves for a specific, or to deny self for a specific purpose. And not eating food is certainly one of the better ways to do this because we, we need nourishment. But it can be just as effective to give up other things that we desire. Many people do social media fasts where they just deprive themselves of um, interacting on social media for a time. Or it might be an electronics fast altogether. No phones, no whatever. Some people do a casual reading fast where they only read the Bible for a certain amount of time. So there are different ways to fast. But I do think that a fast where we deprive ourselves of physical nourishment is one of the most effective ways to fast. And there is a reason that that is used in Scripture. The human body requires food. And a time of fasting from food not only teaches us discipline, but it also forces us to rely on God for strength. And that is the complete purpose of fasting. We, we just read of Moses and Jesus fasting for 40 days. And there have been many theologians and scientists throughout the years that have tried to disprove this, these writings, saying that it's not humanly possible to go without food for, or water for 40 days. And the truth of the matter, it's not possible. But by the power of God, it can happen, and it did happen. I wouldn't recommend a 40-day fast. But there is an important point to be made here, and that is fasting should make us uncomfortable. Fasting should be a deprivation of, of things that make our life better. It needs to take us out of our comfort zone, out of the complacency that comes with the familiar. And it needs to cause us to depend on God for our strength.
the early church leader Tertullian said this about fasting. In the first place, fasting is the affliction of the flesh. It makes an offering to the Lord of morning garments and scantiness of food, content with a simple diet and the pure drink of water. It is a victim able to appease the Lord by means of the sacrifice of humiliation. This bodily patience add grace to our prayers for good and strength to our prayers against evil. I mentioned earlier that fasting should not be taken lightly. And if we do take it lightly, it will not have the desired effect. And I remember when many years ago, when I went to Heritage Bible School, there was a mandatory day of fasting. And I, I don't know if they still do that or not. But I am ashamed to say that I was not a very mature Christian at that point, and I did not take the fast very seriously. And I don't recall that I ate anything during that time, but I do remember complaining about it. So that fast had no effect in my life because I, I did not take it seriously. It did not mean anything to me. It was merely an inconvenience. So if you choose to fast, do it for the right reasons. Take it seriously. Fasting should always be accompanied by prayer. These two are inseparable. We fast to draw closer to God, and we communicate our needs and desires, the reason for the fast, through prayer. Tertullian also had this to say, he said, At the time of some religious observance, such as fasting, our prayers ascend with more acceptability. God hears those that approach him in humility and reverence. Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. There is great power in fasting and prayer. And there is such a blessing and spiritual nourishment that can be experienced if we are willing to deprive ourselves of material things for a time. We must be willing to deny ourselves, to let go of earthly things so that our focus can be solely on God. I don't know how much you all fast here, but I would challenge you to take up this discipline if you don't. Choose for yourself how often you do it. Just do it. Do it for the right reasons. Take it seriously. Focus on God. Pray that God will work in you and through you. May God grant you strength and wisdom in your life.